I got a clock on my notes, so I know I'm good. Well, hey, welcome. It feels like forever since I've seen you. Right? All this snow and all this craziness. Good news is this Sunday, it's supposed to be right now, it's supposed to be like 45 degrees, something like that, Sunday. Um, I'm not concerned about the playoff games, and I haven't preached in three weeks, so I'm just telling you, um, it, it could be a long day Sunday, that's all I'm Yes, 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 yes. But tonight, we are starting a series that will take us all the way through February, and it was something I felt like the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart for us to start because of the importance of not only the timing of it, but I feel like where we are, and that's a series on prayer. A series on prayer. And so tonight, we're, we're going to delve into this, this thought process tonight as we begin. And there are going to be different avenues we're going to take. We're going to start with a certain passage of Scripture. I'm going to have you put your finger in Luke chapter 11. We're going to go there tonight. Um, and we're also going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're also going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. You know, as a, as a pastor, if you ask somebody, what are some of the things that you want to do? What are some goals that you have for this year in your walk with God? Um, usually I don't hear things like, well, I want to give more. <laughs> I don't usually hear things like, well, you know, that little lady that lives down the road, I, I'm going to shovel her walk more. Usually what I hear are something that goes along this lines. I need to pray more. This year, I want to devote myself to praying more. This year, I want to devote myself to reading my Bible more. Those are things that I believe reveal a hunger after God. Not that the other things aren't important. Don't get me wrong. Not that giving's not important. Not that serving's not important. But the thing that shows our growth process, I feel, in a way, is how much do we desire to be in the Word of God, and how much do we desire to be in prayer with God? Jesus' disciples in Luke chapter 11 gathered around him, and they asked him a question. Actually, they asked, they, they asked him to do something, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. You know, I, I realize this thought process. God wants us to become people of prayer. He wants His house to become a house of prayer. He wants our homes to become places where we seek after God. And we must all do everything that we can to embrace this idea of communication and going after the Lord, practicing prayer and making it an important and effective part of our everyday life. You know, last week we joined together as a church body and we had a week of prayer and fasting to unite our hearts toward this idea of drawing nearer to God. That was what the first and foremost part of that week was about was drawing nearer ourselves to God, and then also interceding for our loved ones in our community. I'm going to read two texts of Scripture tonight. They're going to sound very similar, but they're actually two distinct passages. They're not parallel passages. 
Uh, we're going to start in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and then we're going to go back in time a little bit to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and it says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Kind of makes me wonder a couple things. There's a just, and this is just me wondering. It's not somewhere in Scripture. I, I wonder if somewhere along the lines, the disciples over this period of time, there have been moments when they caught Jesus pray. I know it was often practice for him to go to a lonely place, to an isolated place where he would seek the Father. But I wonder if there were times, I wonder if there were moments, because he would go off to pray in a certain place, and when he came back from praying, the question is then posed, hey, Jesus, would you teach us how to do what you just did? Would you teach us the importance of what prayer looks like in our Life. There was something that the disciples recognized in the Lord that they understood that they needed in themselves. And that was the idea of, Lord, I need to figure out what it means to communicate with the Father. That's what i got to have. And so Jesus starts this dialogue with them. He said to them, verse 2, When you pray, Say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. You know, there's a lot of, there, there's some parts and you're thinking, wow, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, time out, time out, time out. There's parts missing. There's parts missing in this, Right? Our Father in heaven. That's not what I memorized. It's okay. It's cool. All right. Turn back to Matthew chapter 6. Okay. I want to share a few thought processes with us about this. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I I want us to understand this thought about these two scriptures because a lot of theologians will try to marry these two passages together. And in reality, they're two separate, distinct events. Okay, they are not parallel passages. The context is different. The setting is different. The timeline is different. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount. He's on a mountaintop talking to a bunch of people. In the, set, in the setting of Luke chapter 11, it's just him and his disciples. Let's read verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Maybe your Bible also says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Same sounding prayer, right? As in Luke chapter 11. 
but they're two distinct time frames. You know, honestly, I, I think as I read this, I, I really think the disciples had some memory issues, perhaps. I, I mean, after all, um, some of us probably relate to that, right? There's a statistic that really is disheartening to me. And the, and the statistic says this, that by the time you get home from church, you will have forgotten 95% of what the pastor said. That's the statistic. That's disheartening to me. I know you folks aren't like that. You only forget 90, right? Okay. If you write it down and take notes, it's 70%. Anyway, not that I am on the same parallel as Christ. These guys spent every day with them. But I look at their life and I think of all the times that Jesus told them on many occasions what was going to happen to him. How he was going to die and how he was going to be raised from the dead. But they didn't really perceive that. They didn't understand that. They didn't remember that. Matter of fact, I don't think they really, uh, the light bulb didn't really come on until after they saw the empty tomb and the resurrected Jesus. So I guess I, I kind of relate to the disciples as well. I'm, I'm sure that I've been told, if my wife were up here tonight, she would probably verify this. Um, in my lifetime, there have been things that I've forgotten. There's been things that I've misinterpreted. And so do these guys. They teach us this thought, though, this desire is teach us how to pray. This thought alone, I think, would have been very encouraging to Jesus. Teach us how to pray. After all, you know, there's, there comes this encouragement when people are getting it. And I think at, at this point, the disciples, they've been walking with Him. They'd heard all of this stuff. If, if you look at um, the, the Sermon on the Mount, they'd heard all of that. They'd seen the miracles and all of this thing. And then Luke chapter 11 kind of interjects kind of in after some of those miracles, after the Sermon on the Mount. And then they ask Him this question. Yes, He's already said it once to the masses, but they ask Him privately and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray because we see what happens in Your ministry. We see what's happening in Your life. Life, we see the importance of you connecting with the Father, and I want that for me. And that's the importance. And Jesus has to feel encouraged by that. One of his disciples, it's unnamed in Luke chapter 11, it just says, One of the disciples said to him, Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. My point here is this. Prayer is something that we all can do. You, you can say, man, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't speak well. It doesn't matter. You can say, I, I can't sing. I'm, I'm not a teacher. I, 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 I just I can't do all of those things. Set that aside for a second. Every one of us in this room can pray. It doesn't matter if you're sick, if you're weak, if you're old, if you're young, if you're busy, if you're shy, if you're outgoing, or if you're not. It doesn't matter. We can all pray, and we all must pray. But maybe tonight we kind of have this thought where we're stuck, and you know, I kind of feel like maybe the disciples were in that place, and 
She's like, God, I, I know I should pray. I, I know that there are things about my prayer life that I, I, I'm not sure if I'm, I, I don't know. I just feel like I'm not connecting. Would you teach us how to pray? And so for the next several weeks, we're going to break down the Lord's response here. We're going to break down the Lord's prayer. We're going to break down what he said that day in the Sermon on the Mount. He brings them back to that teaching from Matthew chapter 6. We're going to explore some of those important facets of prayer. We're also going to expound on that a few weeks after that too. We're going to talk about the importance of praying in the Spirit. We're going to talk about the importance of, uh, um, oh my goodness, I've forgotten. But there's several different things I know. I've got them written down. See, I told you, we forget things. I don't have it in front of me. Pastor Black has them because I gave them to him today. But today I want us to look at this first thought. We'll get it later. If you want to know, ask him. And for those of you listening online, just keep listening. The first segment of that is, is this. He starts this, this idea of prayer. How, how do we pray? He says, this is what you say. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. In heaven. Do you know the importance of that scripture? Sometimes we, we just think that that's just the interlude. That's just the beginning. That's just, that's just how we just start. It's like, hey, Dave, that would be like an introduction, right? That's not what this is about. You see, there's something that, that I believe is more to it than that. Our Father in heaven, what's that do? It identifies relationship. And that's the first aspect of prayer is prayer should identify our relationship. He is our Father. He is ours and we are His. Hallelujah. Think about that. Think about how beautiful that is for just a moment. You know, to, to me, um, to have this idea that, that my Father is, is, is someone that I have relationship with, my Heavenly Father. Father God is a loving and kind and wonderful picture of who you are. Our Father who is in heaven. You know, some, some folks, that, that's a hard concept for them. Because their earthly Father was nothing like our Heavenly Father. So what they do is it's very it's a process for them. They have to try to identify um, God as a heavenly relationship because when they hear the words "Our Father in heaven," they're so fixated on the fact that their father was not a relational person, it was not someone they wanted to connect with. I challenge us with this thought tonight. If that's you, and, and maybe, maybe that is you. I, I, I've, I've been so blessed in my life. That's not been the case for me. But maybe that's you tonight. I challenge you to, to pray to the Lord, to put that hurt and that stuff aside so that you can approach your heavenly Father. The Bible says this, that God is a father to the fatherless. He is a father to the fatherless whether it was someone that lived in your home or someone you never met as your earthly father, 
God is still a father to the fatherless. And he's loving and he's kind. And if you're going to bridge that gap and you're going to make prayer an important part of your life's journey, if you're going to grow in your walk with God, because let's be real, the spiritual disciplines we talk about, we've talked about several in our studies and in our series over the last several years. Two of the most important uh, spiritual disciplines that we have, one is Scripture reading and the other one is prayer. And if you're going to approach God from uh, a standpoint of kind of a a hands kind of up in front of you, kind of not sure about this kind of standpoint, that's as far as you'll get in your walk with the Lord. But if you would be willing to say, Lord, I know that maybe I haven't had the perfect picture of what a father looks like. Maybe the things in my life have tried to to destroy that image of who that is in me. And I'm going to take down those barriers and I'm going to open up my heart and I'm going to open up my life to you. And I'm going to say, God, I want relationship with the father of all of heaven, the God of this universe. God will then open up himself to you. The Bible says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him and that if you have relationship with him and you take off all the barriers God will then not only come after you he'll meet you where you are you see it's a privilege for us to call him father and the cool thing about that is is he considers us sons and daughters Turn with me in your scripture text tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me pause right there. Is there anyone that has any comment, anything that you want to interject at this point? So I, like I said, man, it's been three weeks. I'm on a roll. Here we go. But uh, yeah, Sam. See, it's got to be more than just what God can do for us. It, it's got to be relational. We're going to hit that in just a few minutes. That idea about relationship is huge, and, and we're going to talk about that as, as we continue because the, the idea here is, you know, we talk about um, God supplying all of our needs, which He does. He does. The Bible says it, He'll do that. But that's not the main purpose of our walk with God. If that's the case, God's no more than a crutch. He's no more than just my, my uh, Aaron person. God, I need this. Drives me crazy when that's all my kids want, right? You'd be sitting at home and like, hey, hey, Dad, can you go get me something? You talking to me? Yeah, I can go get you something. Two minutes later, hey, Dad, can you refill my water? You know, then I join in on the fun. You know, our kids, we, we don't talk, we text all the time. They're all on the phone all the time. So I text them, give me a drink of water. Right? And sometimes, you know, we, we, we kind of have that thought process, I think, with God. And, and, but there's something that my kids will do. And uh, they just, they practiced it yesterday. And they know how to play their dad. But that's beside the point. We're not playing God. He knows all about you. And they'll come up to me and they'll just put their arms around me, hug me. Dad, you're awesome. I need gas money. <laughs> Here you go. Have fun, right? Um, it, it's why? Because there's relationship. 
it's not just about what I can get. It's, it's the identity of, man, it's, there, there's a connection there. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Just so you're aware, we will come back to this next week when we talk about holy or hallowed be your name. But tonight we're going to hit this, we're going to start this process tonight. We're starting verse 14. It says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does an un- a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and, and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Verse 17, Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And, verse 18, this is where I want to spend our time tonight. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We're going to talk about the first part of that um, text next week as we talk about the idea of being yoked together in holiness and, and what that looks like because he goes on in the first verse of chapter 7 and he says, therefore, since we have, a pro- we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that con- contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. But I, I want us to think about this thought process of, of uh, I will be a father to you. God says that. He says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters. That is an amazing thought. And that thought recognizes this idea that we talked about from the very beginning. Our Father in heaven, it connects us as being sons and daughters of the Most High God, which speaks about relationship. Did you know that that's the context and theme throughout this book? It's relationship. God having relationship with man. It starts out, in Genesis chapter 3, that we were broken by sin. We were cut off from God. But God always makes a way for us to experience relationship with Him. Think about it. In the Old Testament, there were those who sought after God. He forged a covenant with Abraham and his descendants, and they became God's chosen people, Israel. He instructed them on the path to relationship with God. And if they would stay on that path, He would drive out their enemies. He would provide for them. He would protect them. You can read that in Deuteronomy. That was something that Moses exhorted the Israelites to do. Listen, obey the commands of the Lord. Follow after Him with all of your heart. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Impress that on your kids. It's so important generation after generation that you have relationship with God. It was important. The problem was they couldn't do it. They couldn't keep the law. 
Because nobody could fulfill the law. No human could fulfill the law. So God, and this is something that is so amazing to me, that God, even before man was created, before he formed Adam from the dust and breathed life into him, before anything of that ever happened, God made a decision that he was going to sacrifice his own son and so that we could have an experienced relationship with him and we could be sons and daughters. That blows my mind. That before God even formed Adam, he knew he'd blow it. And he knew the price that relationship would cost. And he says, I'm going to do it anyway. That blows my mind. So God so awesome. That's what the Bible is all about. That's what this is all about. That God's plan to redeem mankind and mankind's walk of obedience and responsibility to live a life before a holy God. You see, it's all defined around relationship. And if you approach the Bible through a lens of do's and don'ts, you fail to recognize the theme of the text. If this book becomes all about what you want and what you feel God is responsible to do for you, you have missed the context of the Scripture. When the Bible is not read or taken from the holistic viewpoint, you will fail to recognize and realize the common thread of relationship, and you will misinterpret and misunderstand portions of Scripture. Why? Because you're missing the theme. The theme. And when we pray, when we understand and even come to Christ as sinners, it's all out of this need for relationship. Jesus is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. He came for relationship. So when we pray, our Father in heaven, it is by very definition that of relationship, that of dependence. That of need, because I gotta have my father. It's said today one of the, and there's statistics to back this thought, one of the most things that is the most destructive thing to our society today is the absence of a father in the home. One of the most detrimental things that happens is to a child is if they grow up without a father in their life. And God says this, I understand, like we said earlier, God says, I understand that us earthly people are not perfect, but if you will trust me, I will be your father. I will have relationship with you. 
And so when we pray, our Father who art in heaven, what we are doing is recognizing relationship. And before we can pray anything else, before he starts with anything else, before he starts about holiness, before he starts about repentance and forgiveness and all that stuff, what does he do? He identifies relationship. He identifies relationship. I want us to look quickly at Ephesians chapter 1. Are there any comments? Yeah, a father that would go after his child. Yeah. You know, that speaks to the very thought. I never connected the dots to that, but that speaks to the very thought of the prodigal son. You know, that story that, you know, um, well, to kind of a thought process about Adam. God knew where Adam was. <laughs> it, that's funny. We think we hide from God, right? He's like, if I come over here, God will never find me. I can hide, right? That's funny. But that's, that parable of the prodigal son, it's kind of mis, mislabeled. It's mistitled, I think. Yeah, it's about a son that goes off and squanders his wealth and, and wild living and all the kinds of parties and different things. But what the real text of the story is this. It's about a father whose unconditional love for his son says, I know that you've messed up, but put a ring on his finger. Give him a, there's authority in the ring. Put a robe on him. The son that was lost has come home. The prodigal son, yeah, he was the one that left and basically said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my money. But at the end of the day, that story recognizes the fact that this relationship with a father's love. That he will wait and he will go. The thing I, there's a part of that story that is, is really amazing. And it's when, you see, the, uh, the son's got a speech in his back pocket, right? He's practicing all the way home. How many of you have ever been done doing that, right? <laughs> Get in trouble, do something you know you're not supposed to do, right? And you're practicing all the way, man. I'm like... Okay, Dad, I've messed up. I, I, I know you told me not to, but I did it anyway. I, you know, those are some of my famous speeches. You know, Dad, I'm so sorry. You know, um, and, and the thing is, is, you know, he's practicing this speech. You know, I, I've sinned against God. And I've sinned against you. Just make me one of your servants. It'll be okay. I, I'm, I don't deserve anything else. And in the midst of him practicing his speech, his speech, his father sees him a long way off, and he takes off running to him. Now, I don't know if you know anything about that culture or not, but in that culture, men did not run. It didn't happen. You know why it didn't happen? Because for them to run, they had to hike up their robes to about their waist to take off running. And it just it never happened. 
And so when the father looks at his son, he sees his son afar off. And the Bible says he ran to him. He hikes up his robe and he says, I don't care how I look. That's my son. I'm running to him. I'm going to him. Why? Because he has come home. There's a relationship that we have to mend. There's reconciliation that has to happen. There's something that has to take place so that we can be in right relationship again. And I'm running to him. That's the story of a father's love. Our Father, who art in heaven. Mm. Ephesians chapter 1. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, He made us known, known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That idea of we are predestined to be sons, adoption to sonship. That doesn't, now there's a lot of people that talk about this predestined idea, all right? That's not what that's talking about here. This is not some kind of predestination that God knew that Dave was going to come, and, but God knew that this person was not going to come. God does know those kind of things, but that's not what the Scripture is talking about because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's an opportunity for anybody to, who will surrender their will to Christ, their free will to Christ. No matter what they've done, no matter where they are, they can come running and God will come running after them. Prodigal son. When he talks about predestined here, what that means is God already put it in order, a way for you to come to know him. From the very beginning of time, that thing we talked about earlier, from the very beginning before time was spoken and let there be light, before anything was ever spoken, God predestined the fact that he was going to do this for you so that you could be adopted and be sons and daughters of the Lord. Wow. Wow. Relationship. Relationship. So we begin to pray. And we understand that we're praying to our Heavenly Father, with whom we have an ongoing, vibrant relationship with. Someone who's always available. Someone who's always there. Somebody who's always home. You know, kind of, like I said, I've been very blessed. My dad was a godly man, still is a godly man. Um, I know that I can call my dad at any moment and just ask him, Dad, would you pray for me? And it's done. My dad worked swing shift when I was a kid. 
which means that uh, he worked one week, he worked 7 to 3 in the afternoon, the next week he worked 3 to 11, and then the next week he worked 11 to 7, usually with a day or two off in between. It was on one of those times when my dad worked 11, 3 to 11, I never really saw him much because I was in school, and, and uh, I'd get out of school and get home about 3, 3.15, and he would have already been to work, it was about a 45-minute drive for him to go to work, and and so when he got home, he got off at 11, he wouldn't get home around midnight. And so I didn't see Dad much. Um, but I, I remember this, this time Dad, Dad talked to me about it. I love to play catch with my dad. That was something we always did as, as growing up. And, man, that was just whether it be football, whether it be baseball, whatever it was, we loved to play catch in the yard. And, and uh, I was out in the front yard and had a football in my hand, and I'm throwing it up. Man, I'm just waiting for Dad to get home. Problem was, it was 12 o'clock midnight, and I was asleep. I was sleepwalking, right? And I'm out there in the middle of the yard. They tell me this story. I, I, I'm assuming it's true. I don't remember a thing. And I'm out there in the front yard, and I'm throwing up the football, and Dad drives in. And he goes, what are you doing out here? Because I'm in my PJs, Dave. I, I'm, I'm out there. Woo! And he goes, what are you doing out here? And I said, Dad, I want, I want to play catch. Let's play catch. He goes, we're not playing catch tonight. I said, why not? Come on, let's play catch. He goes, let's go to bed. And he takes me in. And he tucks me in. He takes the ball. He puts it on the desk. And he tucks me to bed. Next morning, I get up and hear the story. I didn't do that. You're crazy. That wasn't me. You know what that taught me, though? That my earthly dad, even whenever he had to work, even whenever I didn't always see him, man, he cared about me. And I got to thinking about that today. That story brought, I don't, I don't know why, I just felt like the Holy Spirit brought that story up in my mind. I got to thinking about that today. And then it got me to thinking about all the times my Heavenly Father. When things weren't great. When things were hard. When things were difficult. When I didn't know what I was doing or where I was. My Heavenly Father was always there. Why? Because he calls me his son. And I've built relationship with him. When you start this prayer, we're, we're asking you on this, during this prayer series, we're asking you to join us on a celebration of what prayer is like and what prayer looks like for you. To maybe reconsider some things and rethink some things and, and maybe even refocus some things in your prayer life. And this week, as you spend some time with the Lord, I challenge you, make this an opportunity where you are so focused on thanking God for the relationship He has with you. Our Father, who art in heaven. My dad. My heavenly dad, who never leaves me, 
and never forsakes me. No matter what life throws at me, he's got me. Father, we thank you for that tonight. God, as we start this journey through our prayer life, and we start this journey through our our time together, I pray that you'd help us to focus first and foremost this week on the current theme of the Bible, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that all who believed in him would have life. They wouldn't perish, but they'd have life. That God, you sent your son so that you could experience relationship with us, that you could adopt us. I'm an adopted king's kid. And God, I pray this week that you would help us to focus on that most important thing that we have. Let it be the most cherished thing we possess. That's our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Let us guard it. Let us celebrate it. And as we begin to pray, help us start by identifying it and who you are. We thank you, Lord, and we love you tonight. Help us, Lord, this week. Help us to pray. Help us to seek after you. Not because of what you can do for us, but just because we want to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming out on this cold night. God bless you.